As I was preparing for this morning and read the scripture for the first time, I'm going, how is Jeremy going to make a joke out about this? But he always seems to pull through, so stay tuned. I'm reading today from Acts, uh, chapter 8, verses 26 through 30-something. Maybe it's 40. It's called Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you're reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb, silent before its shearer. So he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, and I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself? Or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Dale. Well, today we're concluding our series on joy and laughter. These last couple weeks in worship, we've been hearing stories from the New Testament book of Acts. The book of Acts is the story, the, the, the book that tells us the story of how the church got started. In the book of Acts, we find the stories of the things that the followers of Jesus did in the days and weeks and years following the resurrection of Jesus. And what we've been finding these last couple of weeks is that even though the book of Acts tells this epic story that is filled with drama and conflict and tension, all throughout the book of Acts, there are also moments of, of comedy and humor and laughter. Now, two weeks ago, we heard a story from the book of Acts that, that could easily have been a scene from a television sitcom. And last week, Reverend Rick Dake shared with us a story from the book of Acts in which God was practically flinging handfuls of bacon at the apostle Peter, trying to get Peter to take himself a little bit less seriously. 
Now today we're going to hear one more story from the book of Acts. And, and unfortunately, you picked up on it. It's not a funny story, uh, but it is, it is a joyful story. Uh, in fact, the story that we're going to hear today may be the single most joyful story in all of the book of Acts. It may be one of the most joyful stories in the whole of the Bible. But before we hear that story from the book of Acts, we're going to hear another story. And before we hear that joyful story, I want to tell you uh, about Isaac. So uh, this is Isaac. Uh, Tech team, go ahead and put that first picture up. This is Isaac. I reached out to Isaac a few days ago and asked if it was okay to to tell this story and to use the pictures that we're going to use today. And Isaac gave permission for us to do that, for which I am very grateful. Uh, Isaac is a United Methodist young adult from the state of Illinois. Now, Isaac didn't grow up in the church, uh, but when Isaac went to college, Isaac discovered the church, discovered God, fell in love with Jesus, and got involved with the ministries of the church. To the point where a couple years ago, as a college student, Isaac began to experience that, that tugging on the heart. Isaac experienced a call to ordain ministry. Now, the people who had met Isaac in the church and the people who knew Isaac best weren't at all surprised when Isaac started talking about a call to ordain ministry. It was clear to them that God was working in Isaac and through Isaac. It was clear to them that Isaac had gifts and a passion for ministry. Isaac was quick to pray. At home alone or in a room full of people, Isaac was always the first person to turn to God in prayer. Isaac always seemed to be praying. And Isaac was involved in a whole host of ministries in the church. Now, during the the depths of the pandemic, Isaac got involved with a ministry that cared for children who had been left home alone while their parents went out to work during those months of lockdown when the schools were also closed. And so Isaac and other volunteers from the church would go around the city and they would check on these students and they would bring food so that none of those students ever had to miss a lunch and they would tutor those students so they didn't fall behind in their studies and they monitored the emotional and the mental health health of those students. All of this was happening. At the same time, Isaac was helping out with a major renovation project in the church sanctuary, and at the same time that Isaac was involved in editing the church's online worship, and at the same time, Isaac was a full-time college student. And so it wasn't a surprise to anybody who had met Isaac. It wasn't a surprise to anybody who had experienced Isaac's drive and energy and passion for ministry when Isaac started saying, I think I'm experiencing a calling to ordain ministry. And so the church that Isaac was a part of affirmed that call to ordain ministry, as we're going to do for, for Ryan in just a few days. And then the board of ordained ministry affirmed Isaac's call to ordain ministry, and Isaac became a candidate for ordained ministry within the United Methodist Church. And the people who knew Isaac, the people in that congregation, they rejoiced. They were so excited to see what God was doing in Isaac's life. They were excited to see how Isaac was going to help shape the future of the United Methodist Church. But not everybody was excited about Isaac's candidacy for ordained ministry. When Isaac started talking about a call to ordain ministry and and as people were taking votes and affirming that call, there were people who pushed back against Isaac's call to ordain ministry. There were people who tried to stir up controversy. Now, Isaac's, Isaac's calling to ordain ministry was controversial for two main reasons. The first reason that Isaac's call was controversial was that Isaac started asking people to refer to them using they, them pronouns. Now, Isaac explained to people, I, I don't feel like the words he 
and she and everything that those words mean in our culture describe fully all of what God has created in me, all of who I, I knew that, you know, that God has created me to be. And so please, if you would, please speak to me and please refer to me using they, them pronouns and not he, she pronouns. And, and that raised a few eyebrows. And there were some people who struggled with that. But that wasn't the main reason that Isaac's call to ordain ministry was controversial. The main reason that Isaac's calling to ordain ministry was controversial was this. Tech team, go ahead and put that second picture up, please. So during Isaac's college years, Isaac got interested in the art of drag performance. And Isaac started performing in drag shows around the city. Isaac created this, this alternate persona, this drag character for himself. This is, this is Miss Pentecost. This is the, the drag uh, character who, who Isaac created and, and performed as. And Isaac was kind enough to share a, a little bit of the inspiration behind this figure, this character of Miss Pentecost. Isaac said, as, as I was creating and, and shaping this character of Miss Pentecost, my inspiration was the classic stereotype of a 1960s church lady. The, the vibe I wanted to give off, what I wanted to remind people of was that, that, that classic church lady with the big hair and the big smile and a Bible in one hand and a casserole in the other. That was, that was what I wanted people to feel when they were in the same room with Miss Pentecost. And so Isaac started performing as Miss Pentecost at various drag shows around the city and around the area. And, and it became clear, it was very quickly evident that Isaac had done a good job of achieving the goal of, of what Isaac had set out to achieve. Because when Miss Pentecost walked out on the stage at these drag performances, something special happened, something powerful happened. Now, people's first reaction, people's first response to Miss Pentecost was always laughter. And that's not surprising because laughter is a big part of drag performances. Laughter is an important part of drag performances. But the laughter that happened when Miss Pentecost walked out on the stage was, was a different kind of laughter. It was a special kind of laughter because, of course, in those rooms, when Miss Pentecost stepped out on the stage, most of the people in those rooms were, were from the LGBTQ community. In those rooms, there were many people who were enjoying the performance, people who had been hurt and rejected and excluded by the church, people who had been harmed by the church at some point in their lives. And so as Miss Pentecost was performing and as they were able to laugh along with Miss Pentecost, something, something powerful happened. In that moment of laughter, the church became a little less scary and the church lost a little bit of its power to hurt and to wound people. And so people's first response to Miss Pentecost was always laughter. But often during those performances, as Miss Pentecost was on the stage and started speaking words of love and affirmation to the people who were gathered in that room, something else often began to happen. Often in that moment, amidst the laughter, there would be weeping. Because, of course, in that room, there weren't just people who had been hurt and rejected by the church. There were people who had been condemned in the name of Jesus. And there were people who had been cast out of churches and there were people who had even been cast out of their homes by somebody who reminded them an awful lot of Miss Pentecost. And in those moments, many of the people in that room had, had this powerful experience in which they were able to relive the most painful and damaging moments of their lives. But this time they were able to give that story a happy ending. This time, instead of ending with words of condemnation that 
Conversation with grandma ended with words of love and acceptance and affirmation. This time, instead of ending with being cast out of the home, that conversation with mom ended with words of love and a warm embrace. People experienced something powerful and joyful and liberating when Miss Pentecost would perform at these various venues. And often after the show, something remarkable would happen. People would make their way over to Miss Pentecost after the show, and they would say to her, they would say, where do you worship? I thought I was done with the church forever, but tonight I'm feeling like maybe I'm willing to give the church one more chance, and I want to go to the church that you're a part of. I want to worship where you worship. And so the church where Isaac worshiped started, started growing, and many of the new members of the church were also other drag performers, and so almost overnight that church had the best music ministry in the whole city. <laughs> And almost overnight, that that church became one of the most joyful places in all of the city because when that church family gathered to worship, it was filled with this, this sense of joy and laughter and liberation and affirmation. And that sense of joy and laughter and liberation and affirmation is exactly what today's story from the book of Acts is all about. In our story this morning from the book of Acts, we meet this character, this figure who today we only know as the Ethiopian eunuch. Nobody ever thought to write their name down. Now, the Ethiopian eunuch was a a, a familiar figure in the time of Jesus and the apostles. During the time of Jesus and the apostles, we know from the writings of the rabbis that the Jewish people recognized not not just two, but as many as six or seven or even eight different genders. There were, besides male and female in Jewish culture, they had names for as many as four or five or six different genders other than male and female. This eunuch would have fallen into one of these other gender categories. This eunuch would not have been considered to be either male or female, but occupied an entirely different sort of space. And people in the time of the apostles were used to seeing eunuchs in the streets of Jerusalem. And so as this Ethiopian eunuch rode their chariot through the streets of the city, they wouldn't have raised very many eyebrows. Not many people would have given the Ethiopian eunuch even a second glance as they rode their chariot through the streets towards the temple. Now, the temple was the Ethiopian eunuch's destination. The the eunuch hadn't been born into the Jewish faith, but there was a large Jewish community down in Ethiopia. And so at some point in their life, this Ethiopian eunuch had come across the Hebrew scriptures and had fallen in love with the God of the Jews. And the eunuch decided to make a journey. The eunuch decided to make a pilgrimage all the way up to Jerusalem so that they could worship God in God's own temple, so that they could pray to God in God's own home. And the eunuch traveled all the way to Jerusalem, rode in their chariot through the streets of the city, parked the chariot in front of the temple, walked through the front gate of the temple into to the outer courtyard of the temple and that was when the eunuch got a shock because when the eunuch walked in through the front gate of the temple what they experienced was not at all what they had imagined as they rode all those many miles from Ethiopia to Jerusalem all the way up on that long journey the eunuch had had this picture in their mind of what it was going to be like inside the temple they they imagined that the temple would be this place of peace and tranquility and worship and prayer but when they walked into the temple what they experienced was much more like what you or I would experience when we walked through the front gate of Comerica Park there were huge 
huge crowds of people moving in every direction and it was noisy and it was confusing and overwhelming and it was not at all clear where the eunuch was supposed to go or what the eunuch was supposed to do. And as the eunuch looked around that outer courtyard, they realized that there were people, there were men in robes who seemed to be acting as as a sort of tour guide. They were helping people find their way around and helping people know what to do. And so the eunuch tried to get the attention of one of these tour guides, but for some reason, every time they tried to get the man's attention, the man's eyes just slid right past the eunuch. Now, maybe it was because of the the dark skin. Maybe it was because of the foreign clothing. Maybe it was because of the accent. Maybe it was just that the place was so crowded and confusing that the eunuch honestly got lost in the crowd. For whatever reason, the eunuch could not find anyone who was able to guide them around the temple. And finally, the eunuch just gave up trying. Finally, the eunuch said, fine, I'll just show myself around. And so the eunuch started walking around the temple and looking here and poking into that corner and seeing what there was to see. And eventually, as the eunuch was walking around the temple, they came to a place where there was a doorway. And the eunuch looked through the doorway. And there, on the other side of the doorway, the eunuch finally saw exactly what they had come all of these miles to see. On the other side of that doorway, there was another courtyard an inner courtyard. And in that inner courtyard was this feeling, this atmosphere, this spirit of tranquility and peace. People were praying and people were worshiping and people were singing together and the eunuch said, this is what I came here to find. Now I have found my spiritual home. And the eunuch was about to walk through the door and take their place among the worshipers in that inner courtyard when they noticed a sign on the post by the door. And this sign in multiple languages said, no women, no Gentiles, no eunuchs beyond this point upon penalty of death. No eunuchs upon penalty of death. When the eunuch read that sign, their heart broke in two. And they took one last look through that doorway. And then they turned around and they walked out of the temple And they got back in their chariot and they started the long journey back to Ethiopia. And as they were riding out of the city of Jerusalem, the eunuch took out the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and unrolled the scroll and started reading. And as the eunuch was reading, they were scanning God's words, scanning the words of the prophet, looking for some sort of a sign of God's love and affection. The eunuch was looking for some sort of a sign that even though they didn't have a place in the heart of the temple, they still had a place in the heart of God. And as the eunuch was reading, riding along and reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, suddenly they heard a voice, a man by the side of the road called out, Hello there, what are you reading? And the eunuch said, well, I'm reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And the man said, do you understand what you're reading? And in a moment of bitter exasperation, the eunuch called back, How can I understand if no one is willing to guide me? And the man by the side of the road said, I'm willing. I'll guide you. And so the eunuch invited the man up into their chariot and they rode along together. The man introduced himself, said, my name is Philip. And then as they rode along, Philip began to unpack, began to unfold, began to explain the meaning of the words of the prophet. And as they were riding along, Philip started telling the eunuch about another man, started telling the eunuch about this man named Jesus. Philip said there was a messenger from God. His name was Jesus. And he upended all of our cultural expectations about what a man is supposed to 
be and what a woman is able to do when he invited women to study with him as his disciples. And there was this man, his name was Jesus. He was a, a, a servant of God, and he made the religious leaders furious. He made them furious when he pointed at a bunch of sinners and tax collectors and sex workers and said, these people are God's family. These people are my family. These people are God's beloved children. There was a man named Jesus. He was the son of God. And he turned the world upside down one day when he looked at his disciples and said, do you know who's close to the kingdom of heaven? The eunuchs are close to the kingdom of heaven. If you want to find the kingdom of heaven, then you need to go and see what you can learn from the eunuchs. If you want to enter and receive the kingdom of heaven, then you need to strive to become like the eunuchs of this world. And as Philip was talking about this man named Jesus, the eunuch felt God stitching their heart back together. And the eunuch felt a a spirit of joyfulness rising up within them until they could no longer contain it. And finally, the eunuch interrupted Philip and said, look, here by the side of the road, there is a Is there anything, is there any reason, is there anything to stop me from being baptized right now and becoming part of this family of Jesus? And Philip laughed and he said, there is nothing, there is no reason, there is nothing in this world that can stop you from becoming part of this family of Jesus. And so they stopped the chariot And they climbed down, and right there by the side of the road, Philip baptized the eunuch into the family of Jesus. And the Bible tells us that the eunuch went on their way rejoicing. And in this story, maybe the most joyful story in the whole of the book of Acts, one of the most joyful stories in the whole of the Bible, we see that God was doing something special in the early days of the church. God was creating something special as God was piecing together the church. In the beginning, the church was a place of joy and laughter, a place of liberation and affirmation. In the beginning, the church was a place for they-them people in a he-she world. In the beginning, the church was a place where people could be free from all of our culture's expectations about what a man is supposed to be and what a woman is able to do. In the beginning, the church was a place where everyone was free to take their place in the family of Jesus. In the beginning, the church was a place of joy and laughter and liberation and affirmation and by the grace of God, And maybe with a little bit of help from people like Isaac and Miss Pentecost, I believe that the church can be that kind of a place again. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would send upon us the same spirit that fell upon the apostles on the day of Pentecost. A spirit that sent them out into the world to find the outcasts among the outcasts a spirit that caused them to open the doors of the church wide and invite all your children to enter in. God, we pray that the church would once again be a place for they, them, people in a he-she world. We pray that we would experience a sense of freedom and liberation when we gather with your family, knowing that among these people we are safe to be who you created us to be. We are free to be who we know ourselves to be. God, we pray that you would create in this place, once again, that place of joy and laughter, liberation and affirmation. 
In Jesus we ask. Amen.